Hi there, and welcome to Vet Chat, a new podcast for the veterinary profession brought to you by the Webinar Vet. We're going to discuss all things from clinical cases to hot topical debates. I'm your host, Ben Sweeney, and for the first time in my life over the episodes ahead of us, I'm aiming to listen more than I talk, and I can't wait for you to join me for the adventure. Welcome to another episode of Vet Chat, and today I'm joined by Anthony Roberts. Those of you who've joined us for our earlier episodes will note that we like to get some interesting facts about our interviewees. However, after having been self-admittedly sent into an existential crisis when faced with a challenge to find three such facts, Anthony canvassed the opinions of others at home and at work to look for some insight. The conclusion, however, was that there were none. Alas, we've dug deep and discovered that he is a keen enophile. And for those of you who, like me, needed to Google this term just to have the slightest of understanding as to what it means, put bluntly, he likes wine. He has also briefly challenged his sporting apathy as a child, where he excelled as an ice skater and spent a season as a chalet host after university, despite never having skied. So if you'll find yourself at a CPD conference in the Alps, Feel free to introduce yourself to Anthony and discuss the quality of the complimentary screw-top wines that will no doubt be free-flowing. So, Anthony, thanks for joining us. Now, your role is you are Head of Leadership and Innovation for the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons. So, what does that actually mean as a job? Hello, Ben. That's a a great starting question. So, uh, back in 2015, we undertook the the Vet Futures work together with the, the BVA. And... Two things that, that that highlighted were that there was a sense that the profession wasn't putting enough emphasis on the, the development of, of leadership skills and the development of the, the next generation of leaders. Uh, and also that there was profound change taking place in the, in the veterinary profession and that less the profession uh, was open to and embraced and led the charge with innovation, there was a, a potential it could be left behind. So that then translated into a new strategic plan for, for the college where we put leadership and innovation at the heart of our, our Royal College work. Uh, and we launched two, two initiatives. One was, was RCVS Leadership, which is around helping the, the profession to, to develop those, those leadership skills. And that embraces things like the, the Edward Jenner Veterinary Leadership course that we, we've developed and had almost 7,000 vets go through. Uh, and also the, the Vivet Innovation Programme, which we'll be talking about today. So really both of those are about empowering the profession to, to take charge of the future, uh, to to seize the opportunities that that creates. And it's a series of initiatives that really fall under our Royal College role of advancing standards. Right. And obviously, sort of, there are there are some people across the profession who maybe perceive the, the Royal College as being a little bit stuck in their ways and potentially even a little bit old fashioned. But innovation is quite, you know, a cool and a, a modern term. Um, so, you know, what would you say to people across the profession who, who would maybe raise an eyebrow towards the Royal College at, at this particular moment? Well, I mean, I would absolutely challenge that that perception that we're, we're stuck in our ways. And I think over the, the last five years, we've led some really groundbreaking initiatives, whether it's our, our work with Mind Matters uh, initiative to, to support the mental health and well-being of the professions, whether it's the, the leadership work we, we do to support the development of uh, of leadership skills and those, those non, those very important non-clinical skills that, that help people to become great veterinary professionals or the work we're doing now around innovation. And I think, 
innovation is a really interesting one for regulators. I think traditionally, regulators have shied away from engaging with innovation, perhaps because of a fear almost for the sort of risk it inherently entails. But innovation is the fundamental mechanism through which products, services improve uh, and through which standards can become higher. And that's exactly what we want uh, as, a, as a regulatory body. And I think um, it's become very clear that with a very fast-paced technological change we're seeing today in every sector, that that old approach of regulators to not engaging with innovation just just doesn't work. Uh, And actually, the sort of the best practice model that's emerging is that the regulators should take a proactive role in engaging stakeholders, fostering innovation, trying to understand uh, the issues it raises so as to create a, a future-proof framework in which innovation that improves, in our case, uh, animal health and welfare or, or the lives of veterinary professionals delivering that, uh, whilst at the same time uh, protecting the, the public. And, and if we don't take that approach and we're not proactive, these changes will, will happen regardless uh, and the public and animal health won't be protected. So I think we really are on the on the front foot with that, I think it's absolutely right we we engage. And I think that that's an example of some of the ways that uh, we're not stuck in our ways. This is actually adopting the sort of the best practice approach to to this changing and dynamic market we're in. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right in that, you know, the, the pace and the speed that, that modern life is changing and the way that technology is impacting on not just our own profession, but multiple other professions and industries across the world. You know, I think it, it really is paramount that, you know, we do uh, have a front foot stance, as you rightly say there. And I think, you know, very much central to that is is the fact that you know we have animal welfare and the standards that we we want to uphold as a profession at the you know the center point of all of that and obviously at the center of all of this in the profession is is vets and nurses that are performing that 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 on the ground day-to-day running of, of of our sort of veterinary interface with the general public and why is it that you think vets and nurses are such good innovators that's really interesting i think there are two things that make people great at, at anything and allow things to happen. It, it's the, the skill to do whatever it is you want to do and, and the will to, to do it. And I think on both counts, vets are, are fantastically placed. So every single day, vets are faced with complex problems, incomplete information. And on the basis of that, they have to really try and identify what the problem is to create a solution for it. And if that solution doesn't work or they need more information to very quickly do that uh, and adjust the approach they're taking. Now, that sort of set skill set and that methodology is absolutely at the heart of innovation. When you're, you're innovating, you're trying to really understand what the customer need is, what the problem or pain point is there that they face come up with a solution for it, test that solution. If that solution doesn't work, iterate and come up with something new. So what vets do every day, what part of their innate skill set is with some very minor adjustments, uh, exactly what you do to innovate. Now, on the sort of the will side of things, well, innovators are not happy with the status quo. They they want to make things better. They want to understand their surroundings and improve things. Now, 
as a science-based profession, there's, there's always that sort of natural curiosity that vets have to understand things better. But also at the vocational side, of course, vets want to make things better for, for the animals they serve, for the people around them. Uh, and so you have that almost perfect combination of skill and will with, with vets and innovation. And that's what makes it such an exciting uh, field to be to be working in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, you only have to look at how many times people in practice day to day just talk about a certain problem and go, well, actually, you know, it's not just talking about the problem, but it's actually, you know, people do present so many solutions on a day to day basis. Um, and I think, you know, as, as you rightly point out, as a profession, the members of it are so good at pivoting on clinical presentations all of the time and treatments for those clinical presentations that actually, you know, it is just applying that skill set to almost apply it to a different vertical really absolutely um, so obviously you've had a lot of experience of working in this field of innovation within the the, the veterinary sphere uh, but you know what what to you makes you know a good innovation yeah i mean in, innovation comes in such a wealth of of different forms i think it's very easy to sort of focus down on the on the tech side because you know it is that sort of digital revolution, that, that data-driven revolution, the sort of Silicon Valley-led technology that people are, are aware of and which sort of grabs the headlines. But innovation can really be anything which adds value for the customer, so addresses a problem better, um, provides more value, is more convenient, is, is more accessible. So, you know, it's very hard to sort of pinpoint what makes an excellent innovation. But I think, you know, Anything which is adding value, anything which is improving a service, and then that can mean a whole range of things. It can be in the way you know vet practice communicates the value it adds. It can be in the processes they have. It can be around sort of the the, the clinical side of things and adopting uh, approaches to to quality improvement. Or of course, it can be the the totally new uh, business models that are tech driven for the, the delivery of, of veterinary services. So I think, you know, taking a holistic approach, thinking about all those things that, that innovation means and really thinking about what are those things that really address a fundamental problem and add value. Uh, to to the people uh, who are delivering that service or, or paying for that service, and obviously, you know, it, as, as part of an outcome from the Vet Futures work, you know, ViVet was was formed, and you've obviously been, you know, front and centre and really spearheaded that with the team at the Royal College there, as you know, this network for innovation. But but you know, why is that project so important to you? And you know, have you seen any? real successes and, 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 you know, points of encouragement to come out of your involvement there. Yeah, so the animal health industry, I think, really is on the verge of an innovation revolution. So we're seeing new technologies developing exponentially, new business models emerging, there's sort of more investment in the sector than, than perhaps ever before. And then meanwhile, um, the humanization of pets, people want to be closer to their animals before they want to treat their health like their own. Uh, and another changing sort of demand of consumers is for uh, increased convenience, for uh, being able to access uh, services very quickly. So you you sort of got this this combination, on the one hand, of the factors that allow the delivery of care very rapidly changing. And on the other hand, we have what the consumer wants changing very rapidly. And I think over the next decade, there'll probably be more change in, in this market and the delivery of veterinary services than there have been for the last 
50 or so years. So I think this is, you know, these are genuinely exciting times. And you know, there is the emergence of technologies, business models, and so on that potentially present veterinary surgeons with huge opportunities to, to improve the services they provide, to, to engage with their clients, to become closer to them, uh, and to facilitate the access to, to veterinary care. But to really yeah. seize those opportunities, vets need to be at the center of innovation in animal health. And I think that that's why Vivet's so exciting because, you know, of course, these changes will be, will be difficult, they'll be disruptive, but if vets lead that change, if they embrace it, and if we as a regulator can, can get our regulatory framework right so that innovation can be, you know, can foster, or we can foster innovation and at the same time protect the consumer, then we have you know, really exciting and unprecedented opportunities ahead to improve quality, efficacy, accessibility. Uh, and so you know, it just feels it's, it's, it's a really exciting time to be involved in this. And, and the opportunities ahead are, are great. So you know, w- what's been great, working with the, the profession, showcasing some of the things on the horizon, uh, and then working with vets to help them uh, apply some of those innate skills we've talked about around innovation, give them some of the innovation methodology and understand how to sort of map their skills onto that. And, and then, uh, you know, empowering the profession to go away and, and take control of this future. Yeah. And obviously, you know, often some of these best innovations do come from that direct experience or, or involvement in something that is you know, creating a pressure point or a problem for that particular audience. Now, obviously, you know, we touched on the fact that as vets and nurses, we are natural problem solvers. But to those people who've who've got ideas and perhaps don't really know where to go with them or how to progress with them, you know, what what bits of of insight and information would you give to those individuals to, you know, to to get their ideas moving forwards? Well, I mean, naturally, I'd I'd point people to the the Vivet resources we have as as a starting point. We have a, a fantastic website, site vivet.org.uk, and we have a whole suite of resources there to, to help people turn ideas into innovations. We, we also have a, a workshop series and everything from that series we've then published and made available for free online. So there's, there's a great set of resources there if you just don't know where to start, or even if you're quite far down the process but want to know the, the next steps. But I suppose in the, in the most general terms, um, I think the one of the mistakes people make is to have an idea but then not want to to talk about it and I think lots of people have lots of ideas uh, the way you need to start getting those unstuck and to turn them into innovations is to talk about them to make those cross pollinations almost to discuss with people you know is this a problem you face too would this solution work and then to really start to understand is that idea something viable what might I have missed here what's the problem I'm trying to to solve and, th- and there are lots of tools and methodologies you can go through to help you through that process but really you know don't keep it to yourself i think people are terrified of this this idea that i might give my idea away and that's the end of it but often if you don't tell anyone it it becomes nothing more than an idea actually and you know it's through those discussions through that testing uh through the the sharing that you can start to really think well how can i build that business model around it what would the delivery of this look like who do i need to engage with and to start to map out that process to turn something from an idea to something which is an innovation you can build um you know a a a delivery system a pricing structure around and actually start to sort of capture some of the value that 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 could have yeah and i think there's this sort of you know we almost as a profession have this 
potential problem of, of per, per, uh, perfectionism that does penetrate through through some members of, of the veterinary community and almost that difficulty in an innovative world is that you know in order to progress an idea you know you do need to to learn to fail um and you know and certainly that old adage of business in that you know you fail fast and you fail cheaply um in that side of things but but you know all of these failures are actually you know positives in terms of you're discovering what doesn't work and i think you know it's so easy for people to be discouraged by short-term failure but actually that's helping them in their long longer term goals and i think that I that's think... something that you know is, is is absolutely to be encouraged for people to you know just have a go don't you think i, th- I think you're you're absolutely right and sort of the the latest thinking in in terms of how how you sort of iterate those ideas and how you develop a, a startup in particular it is about you know, getting something out there testing it um iterating and, and as you say failing failing fast and with the the minimal impact now I absolutely understand why in the veterinary context that that is an extremely difficult mindset to to get your head around and and particularly because of course animal health and welfare has to be paramount and you don't want to do anything which might risk that for first do no no harm um and i think that's where where one of the the roadblocks is that um you know in the medical professions quite rightly the approach to to change and innovation is to prove something so whether that's testing a, a you know a drug for example and then deploy it whereas the latest thinking when it comes to particularly sort of technological innovation and startups and so on is to deploy something get out your minimum viable product uh, and then prove it or scrap it and come out with something different. Uh, and it, 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 it's a very different approach, a very different mindset. And I think the, of course, you know, we wouldn't ever recommend you know, testing things that could be, could be dangerous out there for animal health and welfare, but there were different, you know, different types of innovation. The, the, the sort of innovation around the business model, say, or around approach to marketing, whatever it may be, you know, you, you can quite easily do that sort of deploy then prove because there isn't the inherent risk there whereas when it comes to clinical innovation then then a different methodology is required but i i can understand very clearly why there are uh, you know why there's resistance and concern there and that, that that's quite quite right i think one one point to dispel though is we sometimes hear it said that the veterinary professions you know are slow to innovate or that uh, you know they don't embrace innovation i mean i think that's that's fundamentally untrue and you only need to look at how veterinary practice has evolved the quality uh, you know of service of diagnostics you can get now of treatments uh, you know vets are fantastic innovators and fantastic adopters of innovation i think the the interesting issues start to emerge when you look at different types of innovation so most of that innovation has been sustaining it, it's delivering a a higher quality service at a, at a higher often at a higher price but 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 sort of continuing that trajectory to improve now you know, where there's the the interesting change we're starting to see now is the emergence of more disruptive innovation coming into the market. So that's things that are usually delivered at a lower cost. They are a lower quality initially than consumers would accept. They're often delivered in a more convenient or accessible way. And it's very easy to, to sort of discredit such you know, innovation. I mean, the, the classic example is the emergence of digital photography. I mean, you sort of rule it out because the quality is so 
so poor it's never going to get the mainstream but then very very rapidly that starts to improve and goes on that sort of trajectory of of higher and higher quality and starts to sort of uh, erode the market that's there. Now, that sort of innovation from a medical profession, when you have standards to uphold, when you have animals to look after, when you can't accept things that are are low quality or, or, or suboptimal, is is very difficult um, because of that that sort of inflection point when suddenly uh, you, you know that that may become of a quality that is acceptable or is high enough. Um, and so how you as a profession prepare for that to understand the impact and to understand at what point that's proved enough to adopt is is, is, is an extremely challenging um, uh, situation. But see, we have that real sort of almost unique um, situation as a profession where, you know, we are a, a service industry, but we're also, you know, a health and welfare profession. So there's that real interesting sort of juxtaposition of offering value and improving customer experience to our clientele whilst at the same time not compromising animal health and welfare. And and do you perceive that as, as potentially, you know, being a sort of limiting factor or a slowing factor to veterinary innovation? Um, or is that something purely for us to be to be held accountable and really ensure that, you know, we, we make genuinely brilliant products to improve the experience at all avenues of sort of veterinary practice it's really it's a really interesting issue and and, and a complex one there's one that we explored some length at our innovation symposium last october in, in manchester and you know when faced with this sort of rapid change this changing consumer group where convenience uh, is the new loyalty where you really have to provide accessible easy to access services that meet their needs. You know, traditionally, what you would do is, well, you know, you really start to focus entirely on, on the customer needs. You, you become totally customer-centric. You, you meet all those pain points. But of course, you know, in the veterinary sector, that, that doesn't always work. That doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, the, the, the customer or client isn't necessarily aligned with what's in the best interest of the animal's health and welfare. Yet at the same time, unless those consumer needs are met, then that animal will not probably be seen by the the vet because the customer won't take it there. They'll, they'll take it somewhere else or, or do something else with it. So, so it is a real challenge. There's a complex tripartite relationship between the veterinary professional, the animal whose interests they're ultimately serving, uh, and the, the the client who who brings that animal to them. Um, and I think one of the challenges we're we're beginning to see is because of this sort of macro trend of the humanization of pets is more interest from externally as to how people could uh you know come into this market whether investors or new products and we're starting to see some you know interesting new products that address consumer needs pain points in in that sort of scenario but there isn't necessarily the veterinary involvement in their development and there isn't necessarily uh you know a vet involved in their their delivery um but because they're meeting a, a consumer need they, they could very easily start to to gain traction and so how does the profession uh, you know, be the defender of uh, and the advocate for what's important for the animal, whilst at the same time meeting those those customer needs. And it, it's extremely difficult. Now, of course, the animal's health and welfare always has to be paramount. But in order to meet that, 
uh, you know, you, you need to also address what the customer has. So you know, it's challenging. It's complex. It's one of the areas where we're we're looking at, and I think it's an area for for debate. And I would I would love, you know, I'd welcome feedback on on this as we sort of develop our thinking in this regard. Yeah, and I think it's obviously very interesting and topical at the minute given the review of you know the the phrase under our care you know that such innovations that are starting to penetrate the marketplace at this moment in time are potentially giving us this opportunity to you know engage with clients and and, and with pets um, and, and animals that you know currently don't have a touch point with the profession and you know um, potentially you know do end up becoming part of this under our care where previously you know they were far out with of our own remit yes and I think you know, some of the the issues that are are sort of generally being being discussed on the innovation front as well is there a section of the population that is uh, you know not regularly seeking veterinary care or, or only seeking it when they absolutely have to have it and how can almost that that market be expanded for the benefit of animal health and welfare so that you know, veterinary advice is not just in the sort of preventative health care or not just in the putting things right when they they go wrong but a vet's involved say in the process of you know helping someone select their pet or answering uh questions about how to look after it or its behavior and i think you know there is an opportunity with with some of this technological change not just to sort of focus on the the medicine but to start to expand the realm of what vets do for the benefit of animals into the the sort of ongoing health welfare uh, management of pets, and I think it's you know, quite particularly things like uh, you know selecting a pet. I mean that 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 is an area where vets should be able to provide the most incredible advice. But I mean I would I would imagine uh, that that most vets would be you know, surprised if someone phoned up and asked to make an appointment, and then the receptionist said, "Well, what what's the animal?" And they said, "I haven't got one." I mean I'm not even sure how that would be sort of logged in the in the practice management system um but you know why not and and i think that yeah. that would be of benefit to to everyone and i think it's exciting some of the opportunities that technology presents here i think obviously it's great we you know we already know that we're a, a very well trusted profession and obviously the great side of that is you know we do have the backing of the public and we can really build on that relationship because we already know that the groundwork has been done so um and obviously lots of things that we could go on and chat about anthony but um there's been lots to take away from this and i just wonder you know if you can just close for us just looking at you know what's what's really in store for vivet as you know we look forwards into the future you know what can we see coming from the pro the whole project moving forwards sure so we've always had three streams the the first has been showcasing innovation and we'll continue to do that so through case studies through blogs through the sort of intelligence we gather through engaging with innovators in the market we will then you know, help the profession to to see what's changing what the impacts might be what best practice could could look like uh, and we've got a an interesting year ahead with with events and, and case studies lined up with that but we're also really keen on the flip side and i think this is where we, we have some more work to do and again would welcome feedback on ways to do it is to help better showcase the profession to innovators so i talked about those people who were out with the profession who are now you know, creating products and services for for animal owners to address their issues now how can we you know make it that if anyone wants to develop anything in animal health the first thing they think of is well let's go to the veterinary profession they're you know they're experts but they're also welcoming and open to those those discussions i'd, I'd like to try and sort of do more on the other side of that, that that showcasing piece of work. We've always had a stream around accelerating innovation. So that's taking those innate skills we talked about and helping 
uh, vets and vet nurses understand how they can apply those uh, in the in the innovation uh, space. And we have um, about to release a, a whole program over the course of the year of of workshops, webinars, uh, and other resources that focus on the various aspects of the innovation process from you know, understanding problems, marketing them, entrepreneurship as opposed to entrepreneurship, uh, how to get funding for your business. And each of those will be sort of small workshops and masterclasses that people can come to if they're interested in that particular area, but also the resources that that will then give us that we could put on the website will create that sort of holistic picture of what that innovation journey looks like uh, and then of course you know we we too at the rcvs they're not through the the vivet program but led by our standards committee as, as you touched upon are about to launch our our review of of undercare and 24 hour seven and that's going to be a a huge piece of work and we we would absolutely encourage everyone in the profession to to contribute to that and to, to give us your views as we go through the the call for evidence and consultation process i can't thank you enough for being involved today anthony i think you know it's, it's such an exciting time as you say in the profession there are so many projects and innovations that are penetrating all aspects of you know companion farm equine work exotic work and even you know the paraprofessional works that are going alongside veterinary services so i would a hundred Hundred percent advocate anybody who's got an idea that they think might make a difference that maybe just want a bit of guidance to get in touch with the team at Vivet and yourself. I mean, I know from the conversations we've had previously, you know, everyone is very forthcoming with with insight and with help. So from my point of view, and, and it's a big thank you, and and yeah, really excited to see what's what's ahead of us all. Oh, thank you very much, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Vet Chat. If you've enjoyed listening to my dulcet scouse tones as I interview people much more intelligent than myself, then please do click follow and join us for future episodes.